0: Pastor Darren is not with us this morning, he is actually in Medford, Oregon, Uh, that's our lead pastor, and he is preaching at a church that is wanting to partner with us in uh, Conduit Church in Uganda, and so he's there sharing about the mission and vision of Conduit there, and so we have a very special treat for you this morning, Um, he is the pride of South Ohio, (laughs) really needs no introduction, the man, the myth, the legend, let's give a warm Conduit welcome for Mr. Mo Do you, do you want the 20 an hour later, James? 50. 50. No. I got 20. And <laughs> South Ohio is not a thing, it's Southern Ohio. Thank you. Thank you. Go Bucks. Southern Ohio. Just Southern Ohio. Well, I am thrilled to be here today. I'm glad that you are here today. And uh, we're all a little punchy from a late night rooting on uh, hockey players, which is a sport I know nothing about. But I'm learning since I'm in Nashville, and they have a team. And so I'm excited to learn about that. And so uh, I, I was actually downtown last night for a concert that was also during the Preds. And it was the, the electricity was palpable. It was unbelievable to see uh, probably 60,000 people in and out of the city. Um, last night, getting out of the parking lot was a treat. Uh, but, but just to seeing everybody unified on one thing, which is actually kind of what we're going to talk about today, uh, unity and teamwork. So how many of you guys have ever uh, been in a, a school play, maybe, a sc- uh, any sort of play or theater? Most of us. Uh, I had my, uh, my debut in theater, um, my first and last. Uh, in third grade, I tried out for the lead part of Johnny Appleseed. If you guys have ever heard of Johnny Appleseed, I don't know, that might be an Ohio thing, too. Um, I wanted to be Johnny. And so uh, I, I learned the parts, I learned the lines, and uh, you know, I wanted i wanted what comes with being the lead actor uh, in third grade. I mean, all the glitz and the glamour and the fame. I mean, things are just different on the playground when you're the lead guy. Um, the, the lunchroom just kind of looks at you. Just, it's a little more favor. Um, trade things to get a little bit more. Um, so I wanted to be the lead role. I wanted to be Johnny Appleseed. And so I, I, I auditioned. I didn't know there was an audition in third grade, but I did it. And uh, the next day, the teacher's kind of re- reading off the, the cast. And sure enough, uh, I didn't get it. Uh, I was cast. I know. And actually, this is what it looked like. This is, what, this is my face in eighth, <laughs> in third grade. This is me in third grade, probably nine years old. This is, this is what I looked like when I found out I was not going to be Johnny Appleseed. I was cast as an apple tree. And uh perhaps it's you know, in fairness, I, I was one of the taller guys in the class, so I guess make I make a good apple tree, I don't know. Uh but my, my feelings were hurt. Um and I, I looked I looked like that and you you guys probably see that face probably more often than not, so I apologize around here. Um but uh and so I I learned the lines, and so every time that they would kind of rehearse, my buddy, my, my best friend Danny, ended up getting the lead role, and uh, which took it just to another level. Even a third grade, you deal with that. It's bizarre. I'm eight years old, and I remember this like it's yesterday. And so Danny Appleseed over here is learning his his lines, and he's rehearsing, and I'm standing over here as a tree, and I'm kind of mouthing the lines as he's doing it, it's like thinking well, maybe she'll change her mind. And, and she looks over and she says, Mr. Tiemann, be quiet and stop moving your branches. And it's like, so like I said, that was the first and last time I ever tried out for theater. I, I wasn't happy with the role. Um, I didn't really have a uh, spirit of teamwork or unity about myself at all. Um, and honestly, I didn't think I had a vital part in the play, being, being a tree, but... But I did. I was part of a cast. I was a part of a team. And and we're gonna talk about that today. And maybe that's you in this room. Maybe you don't realize that you play a vital role and a vital part in the kingdom of God and in this body, in this church um, today. So we're we're going to read a lot of scripture today. I hope that's okay. Um, I'd rather the word preach than me. So we're gonna we're gonna move kind of fast if if you if you if you have a physical bible i would love for you to use it and mark it up and take notes uh if not it's always behind me and uh just follow along as you can and i'm i'm more of a teaching pastor more of a maybe more of a coach um you probably won't get any deep theological statements from me today i'll leave that to darren uh to dive deep um but today we're going we're gonna to learn a few things and a few reminders about unity and teamwork. 1 Corinthians 12, if you, if you have your Bibles, maybe turn there and put a finger in it. But first, we're going to go to Romans 12. And this is Paul writing to the church of Rome. Romans 12. Darren read verses 1 through 3 last week as we're going through our quenched series and learning what that means to quench our thirst and have purpose and meaning in this life. So I'm gonna pick it up in verse four, five, and six. says, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing accordance to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And in the next book, just... One book to the right, same chapter number, First Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13, says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, quenched. When we're filled with the Spirit, we can quench our thirst for more. We can quench our thirst for meaning and purpose. And last week, Darren kind of introduced us to what those gifts and those abilities look like. And it's broken into three different chapters in, in, in scripture that really breaks down the gifts of the Spirit and what these, what these all look like and how they all tie together. And maybe you find yourself on this chart Uh, Maybe you don't. It's okay. But over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to dive in very, very specifically into each one of these as it's laid out in Scripture, as we understand kind of what's in the toolbox for the body of Christ. And so if if one of these is you, awesome. Um, We're going to talk about that today. And if it's not, even better, because you're going to discover it over the next few weeks and maybe even today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and how it teaches us and how it carves away those things that ought not be there. Lord, help our hearts to receive your word today, what your word has to say about the Holy Spirit and the gifts within us. Lord, may we find purpose and meaning. May we leave today better than we came. In your name, amen. Three simple points, three simple reminders of what it looks like to be used and led by the Spirit. Very practical teaching today, I hope. Our first reminder is, number one, just to simply use it, just to use the gift that you have. Romans 12, verse six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I think it's one thing to know that you have a gift or ability. It's another thing to actually use it. And as James talked about in, in the, talking about the receiving of our offering, you know, in stewardship, one thing that we try to model or talk about and disciple is a holistic view of stewardship. And it's not just, in many ways, and historically, when you hear the word stewardship, you automatically tie uh, money to that, dollar signs to that. But it's more than just that. It is our, our talents, It's our time. We talked about time in our Breathing Room series, the first of the year, talking about making margin and time in our lives. But it also talks about our talents, stewarding our talents, stewarding our gifts, stewarding our influence. And one of the quotes that a great philosopher amongst us, Darren Tyler, says, says, a talent is the highway in which your gift can travel. You've heard him say that before. Your talent is the highway in which your gift can travel. So in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse one, Paul, again, writing to the church of Ephesus, says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live or walk a life worthy of the calling you have received, implying that you have a calling. Each of us have a calling. You're, your spouse has a calling, and that calling is not your calling. You didn't marry into that calling. Um, your parents may have a calling on their life, and you, you didn't inherit that calling. You, you have your own calling. And your children, they may have amazing gifts and abilities, but you don't live vicariously through your children. You shouldn't. You have your own calling. And so with that, verse two, he says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with another, one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. If you jump down to verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter four, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ." From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work, as each uses its part, not just to know you have a gift, but to actually use it and do your part. In verse 16 in the message, which I, I like to resort to every now and then, it's, a, it's more of a paraphrase, but it's just a, a different angle Eugene Peterson pins verse 16, he says, his very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And thinking of that phrase, the breath and blood flow through us. Have you, have you ever sat sat wrong and um, maybe you sat Indian style or on the ground and you get up and your, your leg is just numb, that weird sensation and you're, you kind of stand up you're like, oh, gosh. I get the blood flowing again. Or you sleep wrong, and you wake up, and your arm is just like, it's not there. It's numb. And you feel all those tinglies kind of rush through, and that's all the blood like just going right to that limb to try to give life to it again. So it is in the body of Christ and for you that when we sit on our gift, it's not used. We need the breath and the blood to flow through us to bring life, to be used. When we use our gifts, we find meaning and purpose. Not just to know, but to use it. Reminder number two is to share it. Share your gift. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. It's Pretty plain as day right there. Comma. As faithful stewards of God's grace, in various forms. Again, it's just this reminder that you have a gift, to use a gift, and to be a good steward of it for others, not for you. I don't know if you know this or not, but your gift that you have, that ability, when you're filled with the Spirit, that's not for you. That is for the person sitting to the right and to the left of you. Philippians chapter 2. I told you we are using a lot of Scripture today. Starting in verse 1, Paul, again, writing, says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one Spirit and of one mind. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, pride, pride, Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And honestly, what makes this easy to teach is that conduit does this. I can honestly say, and I know I'm very biased, I'm completely biased, but of all the churches that I've been a part of, which is a handful, this is the most sacrificial, servant-hearted, most giving, unified, less drama, no drama church I've ever been a part of, period. It's unbelievable, and, and so it's easy for us to maybe get comfortable in that because we just kind of expect it to be that way, but I'd ask that we protect it. Not get Not get prideful or vain about just the fact that we are so unified. what we can accomplish together is amazing when you're when you're watching babies in the nursery, um, those of you that are, help us with our child care, you realize that you're serving you're using your gift um, of helping and nurturing with those babies over there so that that mom can get in here and quench the thirst of the word and worship, and perhaps have the first adult conversation she's had all week, fellowship with one another, you are using your gifts to serve someone else. If you're a teacher, we have a lot of teachers in here, whether it's the kids, our toddlers, our pre-K, our elementary, our junior and senior high kids, or maybe you teach or lead a deeper group, you have the gift of teaching that gives life Speaks life from the word, makes it practical. You're teaching, you're discipling, you're using it, you're serving it. Maybe you're an exhorter. It's one of the the gifts, a gift of encouragement. You're the one that knows to say the right thing at the right time. It's a gift. I know plenty of people that don't have that gift. They say the wrong thing at the wrong time. But not you. You're an encourager, you speak life. You give affirmation when it's needed. It's part of the body. Our spiritual gifts are to be used for the benefit of others in the body. In Romans, uh, Romans 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. See, we honor one another when we think not about ourselves, but about other parts of the body. I mean, we do this in the physical Right, like we we try to remember to exercise, try to. We try to remember or think about what we're eating and consuming. We try to eat healthy, some of us. See, a year and a half ago, I can't believe it's been that long. So 2016, I made this courageous and bold decision about my health. And that was to drink. No soda for the year 2016. That was my New Year's resolution. None. Done. Done the worst decision I've ever made in my life (laughs) for me, like the selfish part of me. But it was like the best thing that I ever did for my life. Health-wise, shed about 20 pounds, felt a little better, a little sharper. January 1st, 2017, (laughs) documented well. I drank like way too much soda that night. (laughs) and I've been off the rails ever since. It's horrible. <laughs> Seriously, like it's an issue. But as we try to think about other parts of our body, we try to take care of ourselves, and so it is in the church. Thinking about, remembering, being mindful of the different gifts in the, in the body. It's not just about you. Third reminder is that we would unify it, that we would use it, that we would share it, that we would come together. Aristotle once said, very famous quote, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Simple thought, but so profound. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 21, Paul's still teaching here. He's he's starting to get a little, he's starting to get a little uh, passive aggressive, a little feisty, He's using this this analogy over and over again to really make a point. Verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable or crucial or vital. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of of it there are no lone rangers here in the body of Christ there just aren't there shouldn't be we're in this together and in thinking through this I was reminded of um, this past winter when my my good buddy Jason um, asked Darren and I to go on a, a duck hunt it's our second time we went so Jason if I get this story wrong don't correct me it's just a preacher story. Uh, most of it's true. 90% of it's true. But Jason drags us out at 4 in the morning to go shoot some, some ducks. And if you know anything about me or, or Darren, especially, especially me, me in a camo suit in the middle of the woods, uh, it, it just, it's a funny picture, um, it's something I've never done. I know nothing about hunting. That is like talking about spiritual gifts, like duck hunting is not one of them. So but what is amazing about it though is when you get out there, it is beautiful and the sunrise and you're 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 in the blind and you're with each other. It's cold, it's January. Duck hunting happens in January, apparently, the coldest month of the year. But it's beautiful, and so when we went, there just happened to be uh, apparently not cold enough, and there were no ducks that flew over us. Like, we're out there for hours, and we see, like, none ducks. Like, zero ducks. Uh, so we got, we got to know each other really well for those four hours. Um, but what we did see were geese flying thousands of feet above, too far to try to shoot at. It was beautiful. I mean. You, if you could paint a picture, it was gorgeous. You got the river, you got the, the tree line, you got the sunrise, and you've got these geese flying in a V formation. It was beautiful. But they do, they fly in a V formation. Does anybody, anybody know why they, one side has more than the other side? Anybody know? It's because there are just more on that side, That's all. <laughs> There's there's no real scientific reason why. It's just how it works. I mean, just more on that side. But I did learn this. I did learn this. I learned that when they fly together in a flock, they fly 70% farther than they would if they were to fly by themselves. So if you have a goose that's in upper peninsula of Michigan wakes up one day and says, all right, it's time for me to get to South Florida. Let's go and he starts taking off and flying south, he's not going to get nearly as far as if he wakes up and decides, as a team, we're going to caravan down to South Florida. You're going to get 70% farther before they have to take a break. And so that happens because, because of science. There actually is a scientific reason for that because when they flap their wings, they're creating an updraft for the one behind it. The one behind it has less wind resistance. They have strength for the journey. They know they're not alone. Such as it is in the body of Christ. That when we're together, we can do so much more together than alone. I think of just a simple example of like place of hope. This project that we're doing down in Columbia, which I don't have all the time to get into all the details of that, but this project could not be done unless it was a team. Shannon could not do it by herself now, maybe with enough caffeine, but she 's rallying the troops right because we need somebody to swing the hammer and use the saw. We need, we need Bob and Carol to help complete some of these things, and Joey and uh, Buford and Jane like. Oh, they're, the team of people we're getting we're getting 70% farther down the road on this than if we did it by ourselves. Teamwork. Encouragement, unity, perseverance in the journey. Here's another thing I learned that I always thought when you hear them honk, they're flying over the top and they're honking. I always thought that it was the, the captain, the one at the, the, the peak of the V. I thought, I thought that was the one on the far right. He was, I thought he was the one that was honking and leading. Like, let's go. All right, team, let's go. Heading south, warmer weather. Stay with me. Trust me. It's not true. I was wrong. It's actually the geese in the back that are honking. Mind blowing. It's the ones in the back, they honk and they communicate to the one that's leading instinctively, that's what they do. I'm behind you, I'm here. I trust where you're taking us, I trust you. I've got your back. Every time you hear them honking, it's because they are encouraging and lifting up the one that's leading them. It's incredible. Again, such as it is or should be with us. And and maybe not all at once, and maybe, uh, maybe not today, but maybe this weekend or this week, Would you consider maybe taking time to shoot Darren a text or an email or Facebook or actually maybe handwrite a card and honk at him a little bit this week? Tell him how much you appreciate his leadership. Because that that lead goose, he gets tired. He can't do it on his own. But to hear the rest of these guys are behind him it's pretty Awesome whether it's Darren or whoever is in your life, a teacher, somebody that is a role model for you that is modeling the life of Christ in your life, honk at them for all the right reasons. Encourage them, lift them up. And this is probably my favorite part of learning about flocks and gaggles, apparently they're called, is that when there's a wounded goose um, and he has to peel away from the flock, and uh, maybe he's got a, maybe he's got a bum wing, or maybe he's just he's tired or sick. That one goose will 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 peel away from the flock and find shelter and rest. And every time that happens, every time that happens, a, the the flock will send two others with it to be with that one goose. It's incredible. This is something that they do naturally, instinctively. That the Lord has programmed in them. But they do. So when that that goose needs rest and is wounded from just being tired or maybe, maybe it just got along the journey, it just got hurt and was wounded maybe by something that somebody said or wounded just by life circumstances, two others come alongside and lift them up, protect them, guard them. Speak into them. And they won't leave until that one's healthy to rejoin the flock. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I've seen that happen here at Conduit where one of you have been down. You got wounded in some way, whether your fault or not, somebody else's, through just life circumstances, whatever it is. I've seen two other, four other, Geese, come alongside the wounded one. I've seen that play out in our own church. It's pretty awesome. That you would speak life and be patient alongside with them. And maybe times it's not about speaking anything. Maybe it's just being quiet and listening. Sometimes you go just as far just to listen to someone. It's demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. See, like, when my right knee gets sore, which it does sometimes from playing baseball, Derek, you can appreciate Keith, some older guys playing baseball, my right knee just sometimes just gets sore. So when my right knee gets sore, then for whatever reason, my left ankle just starts to get weary because I'm, like, trying to make up for it, and it's just, I'm a mess. But inevitably, I go to the chiropractor, and I'll tell him about my right knee, and he's like, oh, it's your left, your left hip's out of place. Like, wait, no, I'm talking about my right. This is what hurts right here? He's like, no, it's your left hip. And he reminds me that we're all, it's all connected and that if you're out of alignment, everything starts to hurt. Sometimes we need a spiritual chiropractic adjustment, pop, crack, to get back in place. And it only happens if you're paying attention and being mindful of others. The back half of that verse says though, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We have a lot of wins here at Conduit. We're able to honor individuals and honor this body often for all kinds of the different wins that we have around here. You know, we just celebrated three years in this building and in this property last week would have been 3 would mark 3 years that we've been here. That's that's a huge win. The fact that we're still in existence is a huge win. If you would have followed our journey the first few years. Place of hope is a huge win. What's happening down there? Massive win. Healed relationships and marriages in this body. That's a win. We have 35 junior high in high school students right now, about ten miles west at Deer Run Retreat, that are getting poured into and taught Scripture and modeling what it looks like to be a Christian. This weekend they had an amazing retreat. That's a huge win because guess what? Those students, as they disperse, change the world. We had a lot of wins here. A lot of wins. We try to honor those. So what does a healthy body look like? You know your gift. You use your gift. Share your gift. Unify your gift. A healthy body looks like sharp minds that are at peace and focused, undistracted. We talked about, in the early part of this year, our breathing room series, talked about creating margin, learning to slow down. Becoming less distracted. That's what a sharp mind looks like. We have healthy hearts seeking to help those around us. We have strong and developed muscles from serving. We're actually doing the work, not just sitting, but actually doing the work. Our eyes are open to needs, looking past ourselves. Our ears are open to listen, to actually hear what others are saying. What are their needs? How can we help? We use our mouth to speak life into people, encouragement, affirmation. We're the hands and feet to serve. See, ultimately, we're a body that is hydrated with the living water, of the spirit. See, we could be doing all those things, running and gunning, full throttle, but literally on ease we've talked about before. It's because you're dehydrated. Like, you're using your gift but it's of yourself. You're dehydrated, spiritually dehydrated. You're thirsty. It's like I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't find purpose or meaning in it. Like I don't feel fulfilled. It's because you're spiritually hydrated, dehydrated, spiritually dehydrated. John 4, 14 it says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is our prayer. It is our encouragement. If I was to take on a, a coach and have, be in coach mode right now, I would encourage you, stay hydrated. I had the opportunity to coach uh, middle school football for the past three years. A bunch of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade NFL hopefuls. And it's so funny because you can teach them the X's and the O's, which I love to do, about teamwork and unity, and they can execute the play. But inevitably, one of them comes up, either whether during practice or a game. Like, coach, man, I, my head hurts. I just can't think straight. I'm just like, I just don't feel right. They're dehydrated. How much water did you drink today? I mean, I had a Gatorade and like a Dr. Pepper at lunch. Like, well, you're dehydrated. Go drink some water. And one kid, uh, he's, he's, he was a mess. He was not feeling good, holding his stomach. And he's like, I don't feel right. I'm like, well, how much water did you drink today? And he's like, I had a chocolate milk at lunch. That's all I had. And of course, he lost his chocolate milk about the second quarter. Dehydrated. Again, you can be using your gifts and using your abilities and moving and serving and going but if you're not filled with the Spirit, it's all for nothing. It becomes in vain, quite honestly. So I challenge you, I challenge us to be filled with the Spirit this week, hydrating yourself through the Word, through worship. Please don't wait till Sunday morning as your one hour that you've blocked on your calendar, actually it's what, 20 minutes, it's four songs to worship not enough. That's like drinking a Gatorade. It's not going to get you through the week. Hydrate yourself through the fellowship of others. No lone rangers here. We are in this together. Find ways to hydrate yourselves this week so you can be used. Would you stand with me? Pray. God, thank you for your word and how it just makes things so clear and plain for us. It just eliminates excuses. Lord, thank you for um, this group of believers that is one of the most powerful bodies I've ever been a part of. It's a healthy body but, Lord, let us not get complacent in our healthiness. Let us continue to exercise, continue to put the right things in, the right nutrition through your word, Lord, that we would open our eyes and look past ourselves to see others and how we can help. Lord, thank you for this place. Lord, I ask that you spur us on this week, that you would remind us to stay hydrated. You would remind us to slow down, be with you. Lord, that we would be in your presence before we perform. We thank you for these things in your name. Amen.